Get ready and start your engines for our ninth annual aviation month on Savvy Broadcasting. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. We have eight amazing business owners or people in the industry who are making change in aviation. And you are doing that with ClearForce. You're going to share how they are helping the TSA build more secure systems for our aviation community. And that will be an exciting uh, chat there. But before we get started with that, share with our audience what brought you into the field of aviation and building ClearForce. Sure. So uh, my background actually uh, was aviation. Uh, I retired in 2000 and uh, 14 from the Marines. I spent 30 years uh, as a pilot, uh, commercial aviation before that while I was going through college. So I just kind of the bug early. Uh, ended up flying helicopters, was flight instructor, uh, commanded a squadron, helicopter squadron, went on to command a, a, what we'd call Marine Expeditionary Unit. So I had an opportunity to fly in helicopters, fixed wing, some, uh, some jet time. Uh, so I guess a pretty significant aviation background, have worked at uh, different airfields, I've uh, been part of building forward operating bases that involve aviation assets. So I'm kind of familiar with how to turn a, a flat desert into a functional airfield uh, to accomplish a, a task. And then ClearForce, mm-hmm. when I retired in 2014, uh, joined ClearForce 2015 as a startup. Um, kind of still had my Marine Corps connections because General Jones, uh, James Jones, he was uh, one of our commandants, uh, finished up his service to the nation as President Obama's first national security advisor. Uh, he, him and his son have a, a business going on. One of those they got into was security. And they started thinking about at risk uh, uh, more towards the individual and less about uh, cyber. There's a lot of people that tell you cyber is the way to go. And I think, yeah, you got to have a really good cyber system, no doubt. But we start looking at people and then kind of do a leadership model. And the comment was, how do you move left of it? Why does someone do something bad? Why are they, they hitting your firewalls? Why are they trying to circumnavigate your security procedures? Mm-hmm. And what we found was there's usually drivers in that individual's life that were missing um, that put them on a path. And we thought if we could get in front of that, we could have a wellness conversation before we had to have a security conversation. Ooh, I love that. Approach the problem, deal with the problem head on before it becomes a problem instead of waiting to react to the problem. I love that. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the theme. And, and we help a lot of organizations um, think about it that way. And if, if you were to talk to any company, they would tell you uh, people issues. Oh, someone's having a hard time, say, paying bills or struggling with uh, changes in their family structure. They would say, oh, go, go see HR. Um, then someone might say, hey, someone's uh, having some issues, you know, coming across our physical security or cyber. Hey, go see the security person. Right. We think that you need to bring all of the key functions of an organization around risk, starting with HR, security, legal, cyber, however the organization thinks about it, compliance, if they have some requirements. You need to bring all that into a single environment. You need to automate that and lock down all the processes so it doesn't become, uh, become a bunch of people sitting around a table taking notes. Put it in a single environment. Think about how you would get in front of that risk. Set triggers so you don't have to pull data, get pushed to you when those policy triggers fire and then engage in a conversation sooner than later. It, it actually you know, has a huge monetary advantage too. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm seeing here, and I'm recalling a somewhat recent story with the guy at SeaTac who is really not too happy engineer who took out one of their aircrafts and yeah, right. you know, it didn't work out too well. Um, now, now what, what would it look like if we were going to get in front of the problem instead of behind the problem and say, oh, look what just happened. How do we deal with it now? How could a company deal with it before it hits to that type of problem and know that, okay, this guy's not too happy. He, things are not going well. How could we deal with the problem? How would that, what would that look like? So it, it, it would look like if, if today someone knocked on the uh, boss's door and said, hey, um, let's say we have a policy 
uh, and in the case of uh, a driver transportation, maybe I drive a fuel truck, stay in the aviation theme. So I'm a fuel truck driver. One of the requirements is if I get a DUI, I'm required to report that because I'm an operator fuel truck in and around aircraft. So I get that DUI and I knock on the boss's door and I say that, hey boss, uh, last night um, got a DUI. That's how the system should work, system built on trust. Employee comes in, talks to the boss, boss says, I got it, let's figure out a way to mitigate that. What normally happens is the person says, nah, I'm not gonna tell my boss. So they keep that uh, off cycle. So the way Clearforce helps is we would identify the risk early and enable that conversation, whether the employee came in or not. But the goal, to your point, is your organization's already thought about how they're going to react to it. Mm-hmm. But I think if you think about it in your position, if one of the people working for you comes up and says, hey, I broke one of your rules or laws, and you started talking about it, you would approach that differently than if you found out months or weeks later, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And if I felt that, hey, I made a mistake, but I've you know, fessed up to it and I'm not going to do it again. It was a stupid mistake. It's not like something I do every weekend. That's more forgivable than someone who is like doing it all the time. Now we can work with this. No, I think that's exactly right. And what we're, what the goal of Clearforce is, I mean, ideally we're looking to discover risk that's not noticeable normally within the work environment. That's the other thing to think about when you start talking about cyber and some of the other types of securities. Organizations begin to plant the flag at their physical location. And then they kind of, you know, basically move out from there. You know, we got good cyber, we got good access control, we got cameras, we got badging, and that's all really good. But most Americans spend less than four months of their, uh, or six months at work, they spend six months away. Most of the people that act out in the workplace, there's external drivers, you know, that cause them to be on a path. Mm. You think about being susceptible to bad actors or others that are trying to penetrate that security, they're going to look for individuals on the team that might be approachable because of things in their outside lives. So what we're helping organizations is think broader about what information is, uh, is germane and how to bring it in in a legally compliant way to get to an outcome that's beneficial for both. You know, this is great because what I'm thinking right now, the, the aviation community has been hit hugely by what happened earlier in the year with COVID. Um, so and one thing I heard even before that with a lot of my pilot friends is – furloughs, people being laid off, it can hit a pilot hard. This is your life. This is your, this is what you love to do. And you're being furloughed and you got to pay rent it, it, and your pension, all of that, it weighs in and, and it could cause someone to go off the deep end. How, how do we approach that as a society where we can make it so that, you know, the pilot community is getting what they need and they help us do what we need to do. We get all our food shipped around the world. We need pilots. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Definitely aviation is a key component of, of this country, right? Mm-hmm. It's helped us grow. It keeps us connected. It moves us to our meetings. It moves us to family events. Uh, it allows us to go on vacation. I mean, we use aviation uh, broadly to accomplish many goals. And you can make an argument that without uh, the aviation infrastructure that we have, we couldn't function the way we do. You also can make a clean argument that the U.S. has one of the best uh, aviation infrastructures uh, across the planet. Mm-hmm. So to the COVID-19 and the challenge of this pandemic, Absolutely. And even within the aviation community or broader, one of the things that we're helping organizations do is think about um, risk to the person when they're not coming to work. Because a lot of people say, hey, if they're coming to work, I see them, I get to interact, I get a feel. They're doing okay. I check in with them. Hey, let's get a coke, right? Have a conversation. But when we're relying on videos or um, big gaps in that, people can begin to separate or fall, fall apart. The other thing that you, you see is in the, your example of the jobs, is that, uh, I mean, we've lost some, some employment. I mean, we're at, I think I saw a number where it's 16%, it's probably gonna grow to 20. That's a significant going from like a 3% to a 20, right? That's a lot of people who are either unemployed or underemployed. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about it in a family structure or in a partner structure, 
somebody in that group may have lost their job. So your employee has a job and you go, okay, they still got a job. I'm still, I'm still paying them. So they should be all good. Well, the reality is if they were a two income family and they lost one, they're not all good, right? So they're taking on some debt. They're taking on financial stress. Mm-hmm. So if an organization became aware of that sooner, uh, they can do things to help that person out, help that family out. And that's kind of the goal of how we think about it is how do you pick up on behavior indicators, external stressors that put somebody uh, at a higher risk uh, or on a trajectory to uh, increase stress or pressure that could eventually play out negatively in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Now, how, who can best be served? Is it all aviation businesses that would be beneficial? Uh, Clearforce could, could use them. How would it look like and how could they get started using it? Yeah, that's a great question. So in the core, core business, what we do for Clearforce, um, you think about uh, aviation businesses that have access now to the airport the way they think about it, right? So mm-hmm. I guess the coin of the realm is your site of badge, right? Your secure identification display area. That's a badge that you apply for through your organization. It goes up to the airport that issues it and they're connected in through the federal government, right? There goes an FBI uh, check, CHRC, there's a, a terrorism check. Um, and then they're also right now dropping, uh, dropping a lot of them into the uh, wrapback program. So part of what we would help organizations with is, is in between when the government's looking at that individual between the two-year goalposts is we basically keep tabs of the individual wrong word. We basically support the organization mm-hmm. uh, looking for those indicators of risk that would be disqualifying mm-hmm. and then allow that organization to see them sooner so they can engage in a mitigation strategy before they have to pull the person offline, right? Yeah. So in essence, the, the way we would think about it to a company is you hired that person, you vetted them, you've invested in them, you've got training in them. If they hit a rough patch in their life or make a couple of mistakes, the sooner you become aware of that, the sooner there's an engaging conversation, mm-hmm. outcomes can be better for both sides. And that's what we support. Great. Now, for if they say they've engaged with them, they've discovered what some of the issues are, do you give them tools to discover how to work through those, pro- those problems with their employees? Yeah, it's a great point. So one of the things we've been talking about here is what we call discovery. So there's a lot of capability out there in the marketplace uh, to discover risk. Um, you can, some companies will buy up a ton of public record data and, and run it through black box algorithm and put out credit scores or scores of nature, risk scores. And that's a way to think about it per se. We don't do it that way. We're actually uh, more directly tied to organizational policy, map to triggers in the data and a real-time alerting model. That's how we do discovery. But the back end of that, I think, is the interesting conversation to your question. How then, if you discovered early, what you need is a standardized, legally compliant process, things like EEOC, FCRA, GDPRH, all these things that we know protect the individual and the organization, right? Mm-hmm. We basically uh, lock all that down through our automation. That allows then a complete standardized approach. And the second thing that I think is important in that is you have to layer in a, uh, some, some form of anonymization, and that removes favoritism and bias. So you've got to anonymize it up front what was the alert? What's the risk? What's the job description? What's the organizational response want to be? And you need to take out names, places, dates, chromosomes. You got to get all that out of that. So you basically are looking at just the policy and the activity. And the facts. Yeah. Right. I, I love that. Yeah. And you mentioned something very important. The fact is the companies have invested in, in these pilots or these people. And you know, you don't want to just throw that investment away. But on the other hand, let's say someone's become an alcoholic, you sitting behind the airplane in the control panel when maybe you're not the best person to be flying that plane right now, uh, we, we can't have you doing that. Maybe we have to find a solution for you to get clean before we have you flying again. Um, but at the same time, you know, not have any favoritism, but you know, we also invested in you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that to your point, there are some, there are some things would say like, well, if the individual in this case uh, has become uh, super dependent on alcohol or some sort of controlled substance, th- that's a bigger issue, right? 
But what would have probably happened, you didn't start from being all good to be uh, an alcoholic to the example you made. That, doesn't, that wasn't a weekend. That was, <laughs> right? there, were, there were probably potential, if you look at that, there might have been some low-level criminal involvement, maybe a DUI here. So the other thing the platform does, and the way we think people should think about risk, you got to have it measured over time. It can't just be, I discover something today, we react to it and move on. So that you need to be able to have a holistic look at that individual through their entire term of employment. And then you need to bring in different data sets, external data, internal data, peer and self-reporting. We allow all that to come into a single digit environment. So you have a better understanding of that person. So ideally you would pick up on, hey, this person's on a path or a trajectory mm-hmm. that we want to get in front of, right? So ideally yeah. you would be able to resolve it before it became the catastrophic case. You decide where, hey, if they're uh, an alcoholic, then there's some serious issues about them operating an airplane. Yeah, yeah. You made a great point there, which you keep coming back to is the fact that we're looking at finding it before the problems, before they become catastrophic. And and this is like you said, you don't wake up an alcoholic or a drug user in just one day, just today. It's, it's been an ongoing process you've been moving towards and you want to catch that problem before it gets there so you can start yes. solving it. And yeah, exactly. Deal with the issues because there's usually underlying issues why you're drinking or taking drugs. And let's catch that and, and resolve that so it doesn't get there. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think there's an important concept, what you just articulated, and the word I'm going to come to is trust. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in our conversation. I think that's what the government's wrestling now with, the trusted workforce mm-hmm. and, their, and the security, those that have access to our classified secrets. There's been a lot of work that's taking place around security, security policy reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, reform. But I think that concept of trust to an organization and the employee is really important. And so the employees need to know that, yes, there's a monitoring system in place. There's requirements to do that. But here's how we're thinking about it. We're not just buying up a bunch of data or bringing it in and looking for scores to say that you're broken or not broken. We're basically working with you, setting thresholds, identifying triggers early, engaging you with our employee assistance programs. If there's unions involved, trying to get them engaged sooner. So the net net of this is discover someone who's at risk. Because again, everything's cyclic. I mean, you could be all good and then something changes. You could have, uh, well, in this case, COVID-19. So someone in the family has lost their job. So all of a sudden now you're an aviation worker. Your partner or spouse has is, is lost their job or is underemployed. Now you're struggling financially. But the company was aware of that they might have some way, you know, through 401 advances or other opportunities to help out mm-hmm. if they knew or if you engage, right? And that's the important side of this conversation is the early detection of those stressors. So I'm not only getting trust between employee and the company, which is very important with all companies, not just aviation, but the also the communication factor, which I see missing. I've gone in to consult with a number of um, companies in the past, and there's this loss of communication. I'll talk to the upper management. Everything's fine. You talk to the employees, not fine. Uh, so there's this kind of, <laughs> there's not on the same page. So I'm seeing here that what making Clearforce so awesome is it's really bridging the communication communication gap where everyone knows what is needed, what is expected, but that we're here for you. There's trust involved, but there's also communication. Yeah, I think that's right. And part of that, when you talk about trust, I, I mean, I, someone's needs to know that hey, we have a process. So if you do something that's not within our policy. I just described to you, our process involves anonymization. We take all the uh, bias out of it and favoritism out of it. That's important. Hey, also in the process is full redress. So when we talk about the Fair Credit Reporting Act, FCRA, we work, we treat all data in that space. That means you, the individual, have a chance to go, hey, that's not me, or that data is inaccurate or incorrect. Great. We then automate that process as well so you can challenge the data. Because just because every, somebody collected it doesn't mean it's 100% accurate. When you think of all the fraud going on now, uh, you people stealing other people's identities mm-hmm. and opening up in the case of financial account or doing bad things and mapping it to the, 
people need an opportunity to early detection of that, one, to protect themselves. The organization needs to support that. And then it needs to support a way for them to have a conversation with their employee. It doesn't start with, hey, you're a guilty uh, individual. Let's just start with, we discovered some data. It's derogatory of nature. It goes against company policy. We'd like to have you take a look at it and give us your opinion. And oh, by the way, we're going to support that activity. And we're going to do that the same for everybody. I love that. I love the anonymousness be that each party is treated the same. You're not treated better or favoritism. Uh, I've uh, came across many, many, many years ago, a situation where some grievances were brought up to me and number of cases I was working and the sales department wasn't too happy with it. They lost some commission. And so they were getting kind of not nice and putting up written stuff that wasn't true about me. Um, but what was great about the company I worked for, they allowed me to come together in a communication group with audit to say, here's what the deal is on both sides. And once the full data was looked at from both sides, we had a communication across the boardroom table, um, then the positive changes were made. But that is this key that both sides, no, no favoritism on either side. Let's hear what both sides have to say and let's come up with a course of action. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's organizations that, that say, listen, we understand our people are our greatest asset. I mean, their amazing uh, thought process, how they think about it, how they grow the company, they'll help us move, they engage, they're public facing, all that they do, right? I mean, think about, we talked earlier, I mean, you and I both have an aviation background. I mean, what goes into just getting the aircraft off the day? All the maintenance, preventive maintenance, care of that aircraft, care of that engine, the testing, the servicing. I mean, these are all the quiet, steady professionals that are in this industry every day that airlines are bringing on board. So when you get in that aircraft and take off, you rest assured that it's gonna be a safe flight. The people in the front are ready to go, people in the cabin are all good, but more importantly, everybody that touched that aircraft was around that aircraft was also all good, mm -hmm. right? That kind of makes that flying experience to where we want it to be. And that's a pleasant one and a safe yeah. one. And what was you key, the key there you mentioned, it's also not one person, it's just not the pilot or the flight stewardess that get the, the plane off the ground. There's a whole crew behind the scenes that you don't see that make it happen. And we right. all need to work together. This, this has been a fabulous conversation. Uh, I don't want to leave without you letting everyone know in the audience, if they want to get started with ClearForce today, how do they do that? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, uh, and to your audience as well. So uh, clearforce.com, uh, we've got a, a really good website. You can take a look at that. Uh, we work with industries in the regulated side. That's what I cover down on the United States government, aviation, any of the regulated spaces. We're also helping companies in the entertainment space, the banking space. Um, we support them through their uh, compliance issues. Uh, but our real goal is start with the help and reinforce your wellness, back that up, support your security, and in the end, bring everything into a single environment that allows you to become aware of risk sooner. Uh, and we think that's going to help your organization and your people uh, going forward. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you. That's great. And so again, I hear you saying there is not just for aviation businesses, entertainment. Otherwise, you have a uh, you want to use ClearForce to build that bridge, build communication and trust with your employees. Get out there. Give ClearForce a call today. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please share and leave your comments. To find out more about paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.